Hello and welcome to another edition of Moving Abroad. Our guest today is Sonia Venter, who lives in Ecuador, previously in South Africa. So we're going to have an interesting show today. I'm very excited about this one. So Sonia, what part of South Africa were you living in? Is that where you were born? Yes, I was born in South Africa in a really small town, I would say about an hour away from Johannesburg, the capital of Botswana, which is a neighboring country of South Africa. Yeah, I was born there and I was raised there until I was about 25 years old. And that's when the travel bug bit me and I started traveling. And after that, I moved to China. I lived in China for three years, after China, Australia for a year, and after Australia, Argentina for six months. And yeah, now I'm in Ecuador. Oh, wow. So we got we got multiples on this show. <laughs> what part of China were you in? Uh, the first year I lived in Shenzhen, which is close to Hong Kong, right next to Hong Kong. And then the last two years, Shanghai. When you were 25 years old, were you working at the time? Did you have a full-time job? Yes, I was a full-time teacher at a public school in my hometown, and I just had the urge to, you know, start traveling. I've never been out of South Africa, actually, before that, (laughs) so I wanted to start traveling, and I looked at my options, and teaching English in Asia was a big thing at that time. Well, it still is, Mm -hmm. and that's why I decided to pack my bags and go to China. I have seen a lot of stuff about that, people uh, teaching English in other countries. Is the, are you still doing that? I am, but at the moment I'm doing it online with my own business that I started in China. Okay, so do you do – so it's just specifically still for Chinese or do you teach other people? Specifically Chinese. I started my company there when I left China about two years ago. I started there with the clients I already had. And then I started the online company and it started growing. And for that reason, you know, I, I can work mobile. I can work wherever I want to. So that's why I decided that South America looks like a good option. <laughs> there you go. Do you want to share the web address for your school? Sure. Well, it's not. it doesn't have a web address. Uh, I, I mostly work – I mostly do my marketing on WeChat, which is a Chinese-based – it's a Chinese social media platform that they use. So that is where I do my marketing. I don't have a web a web page, but it's called Forever English. Okay. Mm-hmm. Very nice. So you basically made your first decision to leave um, Africa based on a job opportunity. Exactly. Okay. So then after three years or so doing that, you realized that you could do it from anywhere. Were you doing it there face-to-face? I was doing it there face-to-face, yes, and um, I got the opportunity to teach online part-time when I was in China, and I tried it, and I thought that, well, this is amazing, you know, you can just (laughs) sit at home and and teach and earn more or less the same salary that you're doing that face-to-face in China, so um, I considered that shift from teaching face-to-face to online and that's why so first I started working for a Chinese company and then I steadily but surely I just started my own company or business. You already had a teaching degree so you were qualified you didn't have to do any kind of ESLs or any of these other things people talk about to teach no. English. No well I have a law degree and then I did my postgraduate certificate in education and then after that they did have a requirement that I have to get a TEFL certificate so that is what I did. I did a TEFL certificate at a university, 
for a year, and then after that, I traveled to China. How hard was it to get that certificate, you think? It was very, very easy. I mean, for me, it was easy because I already had the teaching degree, and I also, you know, have been teaching for almost three years. Mm -hmm. So it was pretty straightforward, uh, things that I already knew, but I just had to get the physical certification. Um, which was no problem. But I think in general, for any, for any English-speaking person, the TEFL certificate will be really easy. How do you spell that? I'm not sure what you're saying exactly. T-E-F-L. 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 Okay. I don't think I've seen yeah. that. All right, folks, there you go, TEFL, if you want to teach English in, in certain places. Well, very fun. So did you enjoy your experience in China? Oh, definitely. It was amazing. I mean, uh, the original plan was only going for a year. And then after a year, I applied for another job in Shanghai and I got it. And then I decided to stay there for two years. And because I just absolutely fell in love with China, the the culture, the food, um, Mm. the diversity, just all in all. So that's why I decided to stay for three years. And you never practice law, I take it? No. I just did my internship after my degree, and when I finished my internship, I was, no, this is not for me. Sorry, I'm going. Did you have any issues with the, which we'll talk about too for Ecuador when we get to it, but with China, that's a tough language to learn, I'm sure. Did you have language barrier issues over there? Oh, definitely. I mean, when I arrived, I could basically only say hello in Chinese. <laughs> that was a huge barrier. But the the advantage of, of teaching in China or, well, with a good company or a good school is you have like a facilitator that helps you, you know, to incorporate into the to the to the culture, to, to integrate you, to help you with translation. And they basically do everything for you they do the visa for you they help you find an apartment um so yeah they're very very helpful but i've heard Mm -hmm. stories of people you know arriving in china not knowing anyone or not having anyone or anything so that is risky but the way i did it was very safe and secure so the transitioning phase into china was quite easy and then after starting learning the language, it just got easier. And I, well, I apologize to people that want to hear about Ecuador. We are going to get to that. But this is part of the, the experiences. Some of the questions I have are when you make this decision and you talk to other people about it. So did you have family you had to leave? And what, if so, how did they react to you saying, I'm just going to move to China? Well, uh, yeah, of course, my, I left my whole family behind. No one wanted to go to China with me. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I did it by myself. Um, they were surprised, I guess, specifically because it was my first time out of South Africa, and I decided to go to this very strange, unknown country. You know, I mean, we as South Africans don't know a lot about China. Um, so just thinking... For them, you know, letting me go to this foreign country, it was a bit shocking, but I think they they knew that um, everything that I decided and the arrangements I made with the school I was working for, you know, it looked legit, it was legit. So after I arrived in China and I contacted them and I said, well, everything is fine, I'm happy, I'm here at school, the apartment is great, I think they were more at ease. But it was, it was, it was shocking for them, but they did come and visit me and 
they loved it as well. So. So how often did you get to see them when you were over there? You were there for three years, right? Yeah. Well, I went there every year back for Christmas. And okay. then my my parents came to visit me in Shanghai once. Okay. So you saw them at least once a year. Yes. I mean, the okay. flight between South Africa and China is quite easy. Okay. That's good. You You then decided to go to, was it Argentina or somewhere else? Yes. After China. Okay. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. I I decided South America was my next destination. Why South America? I think you <laughs> you want to ask. Well, um, I've been in 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 Asia for for three years. I traveled extensively: China, Japan, Korea, Thailand, Philippines. While I lived in China, I traveled extensively throughout Asia. And um, after that, I decided that I wanted to make a change. But where I was going, you know, had to depend on what the cost of living is. In Asia, of course, it's very cheap. So I had to take that in consideration. Where is the next destination I can go? That's more or less on the same level as Asia. So that's why I decided on South America. And why I decided Argentina is, well, we know a lot about Argentina, in South Africa because they play rugby. Do you know what's rugby? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They they play rugby as well. So uh, we know a lot about the history of Argentina and the country itself because of that. And so it was a little bit more familiar to me. And that's why I decided to go to Argentina after China. What area were you in there? I was in Cordoba, which is in the north central part of Argentina. Did you teach live classes there, or did you start doing the internet only? Only online, um, because unfortunately in South America, they do not pay a lot of money for English (laughs) teaching. Right. (laughs) So you basically went there just for more travel experience and to check out another country. Exactly. I did not. I had the intention in my head that I was going to teach online and just travel through South America. Mm-hmm. Are you a meat eater? Did you enjoy the beef there? It's supposed to be what they're popular for is beef and wine. Well, if you're from South Africa, it's pretty difficult to <laughs> compete when it comes to good beef because mm-hmm. in South Africa we have really good beef. But it was good. It was. I would say it's more or less the same as in South Africa. Wine, of course, is amazing, um, Chilean and Argentinian wine. I enjoyed that as well. But Argentina, unfortunately, did not live up to my expectations. First of all, it's very, very expensive. It's European prices, but you don't get European quality. I mean, it's just ridiculously expensive. Uh, I rented an apartment in Cordoba for about $900 a month, and it was a studio apartment. And I mean, the doors were falling apart. The paint was stripping from the wall. So it wasn't just, it, you were not paying for what you were getting. And so it, that was the main thing why I left Argentina after a few months is because I just couldn't afford it anymore. You stayed there only a year? No, six months. Six months. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And then, and then where did you head to? I went straight to Cuenca, Ecuador. Ecuador. Okay. Mm. All right. Tell me about how you decided to go there. Well, um, 
I still wanted to stay in South America, and I did some research on places that um, is good quality of living, affordable, um, weather-wise, it's, it's good because Cordoba was extremely hot um, because it's kind of been like a, a valley surrounded by mountains, and there's no breeze, and it's just extremely hot. It will get to about 30, 38 degrees Celsius. Uh, during summer uh, so I really didn't like the weather so I was also looking for a place that has mild weather I just kept reading about Cuenca you know good weather affordable um, old colonial town and so that's why I decided on Ecuador it was either Ecuador or Colombia um, I can't really remember why I chose Ecuador but I did <laughs> uh, Ecuador did, where did you read about it? You said you were reading stories about it. Yeah. Well, I was normal, um, like nomad. Um, I think it's nomad living, like mm-hmm. expat living, international living, reading, just reading people's general comments about Ecuador, uh, reading blogs about people who have lived in Ecuador, who are still living in Ecuador. Yeah, just the normal websites you get when you when you Google, you know, living in South America, the main, main consideration for me was safety. Mm-hmm. And on the reach research I did, Ecuador kept popping up as one of the safest countries in South America. Is that right? Mm-hmm. That, that kind of information is hard to find. And one of the things we do like to talk about on the shows here is, is the safety of, of the places that people go to. So yeah. would you say that the safety for China and Argentina and Ecuador are pretty similar. Would you feel safe in all three places? Well, um, China is it's very, it's difficult to compare anything to China. China is ridiculously safe. I mean, there are cameras on every corner, on every street. Mm-hmm. So the the safety in China is it's very high. I mean, the level of safety is just I never felt unsafe in China whatsoever, and I never had any problems. Argentina. That's a bit of a different story. I, I felt quite unsafe in Argentina. Um, I, th- I think especially for a single female, I felt very unsafe. So I tried to stay away. Um, you know, I, I tried to stay away from the streets at night, um, just took a taxi and so on and so forth. But nothing ever happened um, in Argentina. You know, I was never pocketed or, or harassed or anything. But it's just how men treat women in general in Argentina that I, that's why I felt a little bit unsafe. What about in Ecuador? No, Ecuador is a different story. Well, Cuenca in general is a very different story because Cuenca works a bit in isolation of the rest of the country. Cuenca is, is very first world-like. It's very... I don't want to say very, very safe. Of course, it has its problems. If you take, you know, the necessary precautions, like don't walk with your phone in your front, in your back pocket, don't walk with your wallet in your back pocket, things like that. Don't, if you're in a crowded bus, put your bag in front of you and not at your back. Just general uh, safety precautions and you will be fine. But I had no problem walking around at night in, 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 you know, in the city center by myself or at, during the day in the parks by myself. I, had, I never felt unsafe in, in Cuenca. 
traveling through Ecuador is maybe a different story. If you go to the more, more rural areas, especially near the coast, it gets to it tends to get a little bit more dangerous than Cuenca, but dangerous I mean in the sense of it's still much safer than the majority of the world. I mean, I've been to many places and I still feel much safer in Ecuador, in any part of Ecuador, than, for example, Argentina or some parts of Asia or, of course, some parts of Africa as well. You've been to Quito and all the other popular spots, I'm I've sure. I've been to Guayaquil, Quito, Ambato, uh, most parts of the coast. And, um, yeah, I will, I will say that maybe Guayaquil is probably the city that you need to take the most precautions you know it has its reputation unfortunately of being uh, quite a dangerous city hmm. and you found the pricing to be a lot better in ecuador than in argentina definitely <laughs> what are some of the advantages so you said the, the, the it gets a little more dangerous on the coast what are some of the advantages of where you are now how close are you to the water do you have mountain views what is it about the place that you like besides the things we've already talked about Cuenca is a beautiful city. It's surrounded by the Andes Mountains. And it has, it's also known as the city of four rivers. So there are four rivers, four quite big rivers in Cuenca itself. And currently I am living about, I live about 200 meters from, from one of the biggest rivers in Cuenca. And, and, I, and I have two dogs. So we will go for our daily walk. Uh, alongside the river every day. Uh, it's, the river is very clean, and Cuenca is the only city in Ecuador where you can drink the tap water. Uh, so everyone drinks the tap water. It's really clean. Uh, every day we go walking. There are walking paths all along the river, and so we took out. We take our daily walk there. And I mean, if I look outside my bedroom bedroom window, I can see the mountains. So it's just a very picturesque city. It's really, really beautiful. When did you get your pets? And if you didn't get them there, did you have to, how, what was that like bringing them there? Well, they're Ecuadorian. I got them in Ecuador <laughs> to, okay. to rescue dogs. Um, one uh, I got at an uh, animal shelter. The other one, I just got her on the streets. I found her on the streets. She was a puppy and she was in a box with three other puppies. And I was asking around if these puppies are anyone's puppies. And they said, no. So I took them to an animal shelter nearby. And they said, well, you know, we only have room for two. And I said, well, then I will take the other one. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and so do you rent or did you purchase a place there? I'm renting. I'm renting. They're okay with dogs, obviously. Yeah. Do you have a fenced-in yard for them, or do you have to take them out when they need to go to the bathroom? How does all that work? I I do have a fenced yard, but it's it's quite small. It's not what we're what well what South Africans are used to. Our yards are big, so the dogs just run around in the yards. So we don't really have to take them for a walk. But here it's it's quite different. People have a different attitude towards dogs here than back in South Africa. Uh, in South Africa, they are more like pets, and I think in the States, it's, it's the same thing. But here, their attitude towards dogs are more for protection or maybe to work, working dogs, but mm -hmm. not really as pets. So trying to find an apartment 
or a house that would accept pets are really, really difficult, especially when they see the size of them. I have two medium-sized dogs, so they're quite skeptic when they see these dogs, and they're like, oh, you know, um, we don't want them to live in the house. You know, they're going to destroy the yard. They're going to destroy the house. But I mean, my my dogs are very well trained, but in general, dogs aren't in, in Ecuador, so they're not used to that. So finding a house or an apartment, especially one with a yard, is really difficult. Um, it took me about a month to find a place, which is maybe not that long, about a month to find a place that would accept my dogs and that has a green area or a green space. And it's really small. It's the size of a bedroom. So I need to take them out every day for, for their exercise. Is it hard to find a veterinarian there? Oh, no, definitely not. There In Cuenca, there is a veterinarian every corner. Okay, I'm oh, exaggerating, okay. but there is, you know, there are a lot of good vets in Cuenca. Um, a lot of them can actually speak English as well. So find, trying to find a good vet is not difficult at all. Well, have you been able to learn Spanish since you've been to Argentina and Ecuador? Yes. I mean, uh, I think I am maybe intermediate level. Um, it wasn't difficult for me to learn Spanish after trying to learn Mandarin for three years. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is so easy. So no, it wasn't. Um, I've met people, especially people who can only speak one language. Spanish can be challenging. But for me, in general, it wasn't that challenging. It was refreshing trying to learn Spanish after trying to learn Mandarin for three years. I can imagine. Mm. <laughs> Do you have a language barrier issue over there with, you know, uh, before you got a little better at Spanish? Was it an issue or they speak English pretty well in Ecuador? Um, no, they don't. In Cuenca, I would say you would find... English doctors, English dentists, English vets, so on and so forth. But, I mean, if you go to your local restaurant, you won't be able to speak in English. I mean, then it's mostly Spanish. Or if you go to your local, you know, grocer or convenience shop, you will have some difficulty communicating. But if you need help in the sense of medical help or anything else, you will definitely find someone that can speak English. And there are actually a lot of services um, facilitators that provide their service in finding you an English realtor, an English doctor, an English dentist, or anyone that, that can speak English. But like I said, daily life might be a bit difficult if you can't speak Spanish. But the well, thing about the Ecuadorians and the South Americans or the Latinos in general is that they are so helpful and so friendly. So they will always try to help you, even though you can't speak any word of Spanish, which is very different in China. In China, they are very reserved, very private. So that was another reason why it was so difficult for me to learn Chinese because just practicing every day was so difficult because the moment they see that you're a foreigner and you can't speak Chinese, they close off. They just uh. refuse to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> but in, in here in Ecuador, it's quite a different story. They will try their best to help you and to speak to you. Well, a lot of the people we have on the show so far meet other expats in the country that they go to. Have you been able to do that, to mingle with English-speaking people from Africa, Canada, United States? Is there a community yeah, there that's you know, yeah, hang out with? Yeah, it's actually a, quite a big community. The majority... Um, much older, I think retired, 
65 or older. That's the mm-hmm. majority of the expats in Cuenca. But, I mean, I have been able to meet younger expats. I actually started a group two years ago when I arrived in Cuenca on Facebook called Young Expats and English Speakers, which is a Facebook group um, that it focuses mostly on younger expats or English-speaking Ecuadorians or English-speaking South Americans that want to practice their English. And it has been very successful. I, I think in, in the past year and a half, it has grown to over 1,500 members. Mm-hmm. So, and we have regular events like language exchange or just meeting up for a beer and so on and so forth. So that has been, that group has helped me a lot to meet younger expats. And it has also helped a lot of younger families or younger expats trying to mingle with other expats. Is it mostly people in Ecuador or is that young expats everywhere? It's young expats everywhere. Okay. The majority, of course, from the states, but you have people from from Germany on a like on a language exchange program. So people from Germany, from from all over Europe, from Canada, from the U.S. Um, I have not met anyone from South Africa yet. <laughs> I hope to, <laughs> but no, I well, haven't met any from. <laughs> yeah. Well, the your Facebook page, I mean, is it? For people in Ecuador, or is it for expats anywhere? The reason why I started this group is because I wanted to meet, or I wanted the young expats from other countries to tr- to have a base or a group to meet up. That's why I started the group. But okay. then, steadily but surely, there were a lot of young Ecuadorians who wanted to meet younger expats, either to exchange language or just to exchange culture. So it started growing into a group of English-speaking Ecuadorians and expats, young expats. So that okay. is the what the group is made of. It's made of sure. young Ecuadorians and then young expats. But I mean, young is a very relative term. I'm not <laughs> young is I don't know. I'm I, I'm not trying to define young. I mean, we have people who are you know, 50 years old, but they participate in our activities. I mean, like I said, I don't define the term young, but in Cuenca, there was already a big community for, for the retirees. So I tried, I tried to um, community for either young working people or people studying here or people just traveling through Cuenca. That was my Mm -hmm. intention. Yeah, because I was going to get into that with hopefully not getting too personal. You don't have to answer any questions you don't want to answer. But you're a single female, and I was going to ask you how you uh, met people and got relationships going with friends and whatnot in foreign countries since you've moved so much. And that's, I guess, the best way to do it right there. Exactly. Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. There are other groups already, uh, like Ecuador expats, Cuenca expats, there are a lot of groups on Facebook already for, for the general expat group. And then mm-hmm. I just created my group and started presenting it or posting it on those groups. And that's why it started growing. Okay. Very good. Mm-hmm. Have you been able to get visits from your family now that you're in Ecuador? Yeah, I went back once since I've been here. And my parents have been here once since I've been here. It's much more difficult, unfortunately, mm-hmm. traveling back and forth 
from South Africa to Ecuador than China. I mean, China is 10 hours, 11 hours. Ecuador is 22 hours. Wow. Big difference. Yes. Very big difference. So, and it's quite expensive. So I think, um, yeah, fortunately, I can't see my parents or my family that often, but I try. <laughs> you okay with that? They're okay with that? There's not a, any kind of you know, situation or problem that creates that's been hard to overcome? Well, I think for them, it's a little bit more difficult than for me. I'm I'm quite independent. Ever since I started traveling seven years ago, I, you know, I, I haven't been home that much. And for me, it's okay. I'm still, I'm very adaptable. And I've, and I've adapted quite well here. I've, I've made really good friends that is kind of like family. Um, I think the the problem is I am the only child. So yeah. for my parents, seeing their only child only once a year, <laughs> it's <laughs> quite difficult. Of course, they get worried because I am a single female traveling by myself, but I haven't encountered any problems so far. Um, touch wood, but yes. <laughs> Um, I have been enjoying my time a lot, and they know that. They know that I'm 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 doing well. I'm enjoying my time, and they've been to Ecuador and they've seen Ecuador, and they really really like it. And they even they are considering maybe moving here for a while because they are ret- retired as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying my best to convince them in coming, but it means that they will have to leave everything they know behind and their family. So for them, it's it's more difficult than it was for me. The United States, I don't know what it's like in South African culture, but in right or wrong, people, especially parents, are going to say, well, are you planning on getting married and having children? That's just one of the things we ask, you know, uh, people ask here. I don't necessarily do that. I'm not going to ask you about that because I know some of our listeners probably are, are wondering about that because some of them have children and some of them have spouses that might not necessarily want to move. Uh, so you're in a unique situation for this show. So uh, have your parents said anything to you about that kind of thing, or they just let you be independent and do your thing? They pressure me constantly. <laughs> well, <laughs> okay. They don't, they don't pressure. They ask questions. For them, it's – so I think they have the idea in the back of their mind that I'm that I am coming back soon, maybe in one year or two years. Mm-hmm. But the problem would be is if I meet maybe someone here mm-hmm. um, that's either Ecuadorian or someone from any other country, and then I would move to that country or stay here permanently in Ecuador. And I think they have that fear that it will happen. Um, I think their wish is that I come back as soon as possible marry a nice South African man and continue with my <laughs> why life. Do they think, why do they think you would return in a year? Have you, is that something you are thinking about uh, doing? No. It's just, I think, my mother's my mother's wish. She's like, so uh-huh. are you coming back in a year? I'm like, maybe, Mom, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't want to say no because then she will get angry. So I'm just trying to prolong the question. <laughs> Gotcha. Maybe mother, maybe I don't. So um, well, it begs a lot of questions because if you had a child, you had a grand, they had a grandchild, and you're in yeah. Ecuador or wherever, and there's 22 hours difference or whatever it is, and that's one of the things I think that's the most challenging about this is people leaving uh, aging parents or children who just finished school and mm-hmm. may have and they may have parents. There's just a lot of uh, dynamics to go into it. Uh, if you have connections in the country 
where you were born still um you know it, it does it does adds a different element to it for sure so um good stuff i appreciate you yeah. talking about well i've met a lot of young families here in cuenca from the u.s but for them it's a it's not a, it's not permanent it's temporary so they want their kids to experience a different culture so they will move to the u.s i mean sorry they will move to ecuador for maybe a year or two years to so for them and of course in the u.s it's much easier because what seven eight hours and you're you're in the u.s whereas south africa is a much different story but mm. i've i've met a you know, many families who make it work very well. Either the grandparents come to visit and twice a year or they go back twice a year. And so it's much more doable, I think, if you're from the U.S. Sure. than someone from Europe or someone from Africa. Um, but, yeah, I've met many, many families here. Have you considered or seen families that maybe just uh, like what we call snowbirds here in the United States, they just come over there for a few months a year? And then go back home? Yes, they do that. I've actually met a family about two weeks ago um, that is going back to the States now because it's starting to get summer again. So they every winter they come to Cuenca. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because it's very easy to get a 90-day visa every year. So you don't. there's no application process. So for three months of a year, they just come to Ecuador. Nice. Have you thought about doing something like that? Of course, 22 hours. I mean, you have to take, you'd have to, you know, issues with two pets. I mean, it'd be, yeah. it'd be tough. That's, that's the problem. Um, and um, the moment I got my two dogs, I knew that I am creating more problems for myself. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I, I was looking for a, some form of companionship. So the dogs has provided great companionship for me. Absolutely. Years. Yes, mm-hmm. and um, but it, it has made it six months ago. Uh, I came back from South Africa from a two-month visit. So I got, there is a Facebook group called House, House Sitting? Yeah, House yeah. and Pet Sitters Latin America. So I got a couple from Canada on this group to come and live in my in my house for two months and look after my two dogs. So that was great. Nice. Um, I mm-hmm. mean, I didn't pay, I didn't pay them anything because they wanted to stay in a different country for, for free. Uh, mm-hmm. They didn't pay anything. I didn't pay them anything. And they looked after my two babies very well. And so that, that yeah. is an option, but it still, it's, it's a lot of work trying to find someone you trust. To come and live in your house. The, the and exact time you want them. Right. The website, one of them is trustedhousesitters.com. It's nationwide. I mean, international, yeah. excuse me. And mm-hmm. so people will go all over the world and do this exact thing. They'll just trade. Give me your house and I'll house sit your pets or watch your house for you. And I'll get to be somewhere exciting for free for a few months or however long it might be. Yeah, it's I a real interesting amazing. website. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great, great, great idea for people who want to travel and love pets. You get you get the best of both worlds. <laughs> but, yeah, and it's great for me because now I can travel with ease <laughs> mm-hmm. and just get someone to come and look after my two dogs. Yeah. Process of staying over there. Mm-hmm. Did you? Has that been easy for you to get? Do you have to get what kind of visa? Or what do you have to do to be able to stay there year round? 
Well, the three most common visas in Ecuador is your investor visa, your professional visa, and your retirement visa. So the two most popular visas are the retirement and the investor's visa. Um, investment, you need to invest, uh, I might speak under correction, but I think it's $25,000, make an investment, either buy apartments or just deposit the money into an Ecuadorian bank account. And then you qualify for an investor's visa. Retirement visa, um, of course, I don't know what the requirements are, um, but you need to have a certain amount of money in your bank every month. And then, of course, just proof of retirement. And then the professional visa, which is the one I have, not as common because, um, like I said, the minority is younger people. Um, but I have a professional visa. The application process was quite lengthy and a little difficult. It took me about two and a half, three months for me to get the actual visa. And I didn't ask, it was, it's very popular here to ask a facilitator to help you, but I did everything by myself because I could speak Spanish quite well. So for me, it wasn't a problem. I tried to do everything by myself. And I think that's why it took so long. I have many friends who get the help of a facilitator and it takes them a month at most. So mm -hmm. I would advise anyone to get a facilitator um, because it took me three to four months and it was very lengthy, very stressful application process. I had to travel to the immigration office oh, three, four times a week. And it was in Cuenca. So I had to take a bus three, four times a week to go to the immigration office. <laughs> So it was a stressful, lengthy process, but in the end, everything worked out quite well. And this visa is valid for two years, and then after two years, I can either cancel it or extend it. Extend it for another two years, that how it works? I think after your first extension, you can either, after two years, apply for citizenship or cancel it, yes. Two years you have the option of applying for citizenship or either applying or not applying, I guess. Just keep renewing. Are there benefits to becoming a citizen there versus just um, renewing a visa? I, well, of course. If you want to buy property, it's very easy. If you're buying property as a foreigner, it has its limits. So uh -huh. buying property, um, applying for a job, um, applying for many things. It's just much easier if you're a citizen, yes. Makes sense. It seems like a lot of people that make this move, you're not one of them, but especially these retirees over there most likely, are the healthcare benefits. What have you seen mm -hmm. from that in the three countries that you've visited so far? Mm. Well, in Cuenca, the healthcare is, I would say, world-class. Um, and But it's not world-class prices. It's, I don't want to say it's ridiculously cheap, <laughs> but it's just really, really affordable. And I, and I understand why so many people from the States come over here to get dental, dental work done, um, hip replacements, knee replacements, plastic surgery, because it's just really affordable. And the service you get for what you pay is world-class. Uh, especially in Cuenca, a lot of doctors were actually trained in the U.S. or any other European um, university. So it's first-class service, but you don't get the prices. The other day, I went for a dental repair. 
I got my I got my teeth clean and I got five fillings and it cost me a hundred and sixty bucks. <laughs> nice. <laughs> So do you have insurance over there, or is it you just pay fee per service? Well, most people pay per service, expats, I mean. Um, mm-hmm. But it is a requirement to apply for a visa. You need to have medical insurance. So you need to have proof for medical insurance. So either your medical insurance from the States or uh, medical insurance from Ecuador. It doesn't matter, but you need to have medical insurance. Otherwise, you cannot apply for a visa. So at the moment, I have an Ecuadorian medical insurance, which is called IES, I-E-E-S, which is government-funded, but it's private. So it's a private government-funded <laughs> insurance, uh, 50-50. Um, so it's a little bit more expensive than the, than the government uh, insurance, but it's, it's cheaper than the private insurance. And they have their own group of hospitals, and doctors, so if you're on this insurance and something's wrong, you need to go to a hospital or a doctor that's IS-based. Right. Uh, but, but that's not difficult to find because there are, here in Cuenca, there are about three IS hospitals with their own private doctors. So it's really not, the waiting period is maybe a little long. So you will go and you will maybe wait an hour or so to get help. Whereas some expats do not prefer that, so they go to the private hospitals. You, they help you immediately, but you pay out of your pocket. Mm-hmm. What about China and Argentina? Did you have any health issues or concerns there that you had to deal with? Well, as far no, as I never went to um, insurance. Applying for a visa in Argentina, insurance was not a requirement, so I never had health insurance. I just had an international, like a travel insurance, but I never went to a doctor or a hospital in Argentina. I never had the need to. And China, I did, of course, many times due to food poisoning. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just joking. It just happened once. It's the same. In China, it's the same. You pay out of your pocket, and then you get reimbursed from from your insurance. Because medical services in China is also very, very affordable. So all three places, you don't have to really worry about that. Is that one of the reasons that you've never looked at or been to the USA as part of your expat experience? Mm. Yes, exactly. It's part of my expat experience. I've heard horror stories of the health insurance in the U.S. (laughs) So... um, I know it's very expensive, and I know that's a, that's one of the main reasons why um, re- retired expats decide to move to South America, mm-hmm. especially Ecuador and especially Cuenca, because, like I said, world-class health service in Cuenca. Do you mingle with a lot of the retirees over there, and that's what they tell you? I mean, they, do you talk to them a lot about why they yep. moved? Definitely. Mm-hmm. I, I, have, I have a lot of retired friends here, um, and that's – well um, – I would say the main reason they move here is they just can't afford to live in the U.S. on their pension. And um, so living here with what they get every month, you can live a very, very comfortable life. And I think that is the reason, the main reason, I'm not saying that's the only reason. I mean, maybe people just want to change of scenery um, when they get retired. But I think what I've, from what I've heard is the main reason is just they can't afford to live in states with their pension. What about people from Canada and other countries? What what is their reasoning? 
Well, I haven't met any retired Canadians, actually. Mm. Only young families or just younger people my age. Mm-hmm. Well, people yeah. that, I, that, that I meet that are my age from Can- Canada, mm-hmm. they are just probably the same story as I. They're just traveling through South America, working online. Um, that, that is why they're here at the moment. I know two families uh, with three children. They are living here because they want to do a culture exchange. They want to mm-hmm. teach their kids a different culture, a different language. So that is not necessarily because they can't afford to live there. It's more because of culture exchange or language exchange that they are living here. How would you describe the culture of where you are right now? Well, very different than what I think anyone would be from a Western, from a Western perspective, from a Western culture. Very, very different. They are much more friendlier, much more open, um, much more physical in the sense of even the way they greet. I mean, when they greet, it's the kiss on, on the cheek, which is very different from my culture. Um, I, we just give a handshake and that's it. <laughs> so it was to to do the mind shift of the way they do things, you know, the way they, they do business, the way they interact with people, the way they cook food, everything is different. And if you're if you're open to that, then this will be an amazing experience. But if you come with the mindset of just having another, uh, I don't know, another U.S. or another Canada or another South Africa inside of Ecuador, then you're going to make a very big <laughs> mistake. And yeah. you're going to have a terrible time here because they are different. They talk louder. They, uh, I mean, they're just a very open culture. I mean, the Latino culture, I don't know how to, to put it into exact words, but um, it's, I, I mean, I fell in love with it from day one. Excellent. It's a very warm culture. They they will always try to help you. Your neighbor, she doesn't even know your name, but if you're if you're in trouble, she will try to help you. And there are just genuine people who, they don't care where you're from, what you're wearing. They're just always here to help, and they're very friendly. And I think that's the reason why I'm still here after two years, is because of that. Because of very the nice. warm culture and the hospitality. Yeah. Sure, I love that. Well, how's the food and wine? You mentioned that they do food different uh, or get it different. How how are those experiences over there for you compared to home in China and Argentina, uh, et cetera? I would say that they have their specialities, but in general, I think Ecuadorian food can be a little bit blunt, <laughs> tasteless. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to mm-hmm. explain it. I won't say that they have a very rich food culture. It's not like the Venezuelans or the Colombians, which is known for their arepas or they everywhere over the world you will meet, you will see Colombian restaurants or Venezuelan restaurants or Peruvian restaurants, whereas Ecuador does not have that rich of a food culture. Of course, they love rice as well. They will eat rice, I think, twice a day if they can. <laughs> so... And they have their, um, so I don't know how to say this in English, but it's like a kind of corn, but it's it's their staple food. So they eat it with everything else together with rice. Hmm. 
And um, then they have the, of course, they love pig, uh, pork. And so they have this, this pig on a stick. So it's the whole pig that is getting roasted. Uh, they call it ornado, which means like roasted pig on a stick. I don't know quite how to translate it back into English. But um, yeah, I would say most of the time I cook at home. So I cook whatever I'm used to uh, because you can get any ingredients you want. Food is meat, unfortunately, like good quality meats is maybe a bit difficult to find and expensive. But I mean, fruit and vegetables, fresh, fresh fruit and vegetables is so easy to find, so accessible, and it's very, very cheap. Uh, I have a big basket then that I take to the market once a week, and I fill it up with fresh vegetables and fruit, which lasts me about two weeks, and I pay $10, $12 for that whole basket. Nice. Uh-huh. Yeah. Huh. So getting fresh fruit here, fresh vegetables, fresh eggs, um, everything fresh, very, very easy to find because there's a market on every street corner. There are three big markets in Cuenca. So you can go there to buy fresh vegetables, fresh eggs, fresh fruits, meat. I do not buy at the market, <laughs> but I buy that at the supermarket um, because I'm not sure how clean it is at the market. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. What are some items that are hard to get over there that you would like to be able to have? Uh, peanut butter. <laughs> Um, it's really, really difficult to find peanut butter. And if you do find peanut butter, it's so expensive. It's very expensive. Um, wine is expensive as well. It's not easy, difficult to find it. You can find it in any supermarket. Good Argentinian wine, good Chilean wine, but it's just expensive. I think for a bottle, you will pay about seven, eight bucks for a good bottle of wine. Meat, a good steak is difficult to find. I mean, there are restaurants in Cuenca that can make you a really good steak. Um, but you're going to pay, and it's not easy to find. So steak, peanut butter, wine, and things. I think uh, if you're like very picky on things, like if you want apple uh, apple cider vinegar, mm-hmm. you're probably going to baking soda. I had trouble finding baking soda mm-hmm. and stuff like very stuff that they're not used to here in Ecuador. Things that are very American or very Canadian, you will probably have some difficulty in finding it. Well, you haven't mentioned seafood. I imagine there's abundance of that there or no? Oh, yes. If you go to the coast in Cuenca, not so much because Cuenca is quite far away from from the coast. But if you go to the coast, the seafood is amazing. Anything, prawns, lobster, shrimp, Mm -hmm. any (laughs) seafood you can think of, yeah. I'm surprised they don't bring more over there to, to the city. It's very you're very skeptic when you find uh, seafood in Cuenca. But people in Cuenca, from Cuenca, prefer to not eat seafood in Cuenca, but just go to the coast and eat because the closest okay. coastal city is a three-hour drive away. Mm. So they prefer to just for a weekend go to the coast and eat seafood. Based on this situation with the food, are there opportunities for expats to start businesses over there in the food business, like restaurants or different things, or? Do they yes, do that definitely. or most people just want to be retired? <laughs> no, there's a very, very diverse uh, restaurant culture here in Cuenca. About a year and a half ago, two people from the Czech Republic opened a Czech bar. Mm. And they prepare, I mean, they have the best beer, in. I think, according to me. <laughs> 
mm-hmm. um, the best beer, and they have traditional Czech food that they serve there. And recently, um, an American, I think, with his Ecuadorian girlfriend, opened a Japanese restaurant. And mm-hmm. uh, there's a Japanese restaurant. There's a Thai restaurant. There's uh, the Thai restaurant is actually owned by an American, and his girlfriend is Thai. And um, they open a Thai restaurant. There's a, a Vietnamese restaurant owned by a guy from Vietnam who who lived in Canada for quite a while. So I think he's actually Canadian, but he was born in Vietnam. He has a Vietnamese okay. restaurant. And there's a Canadian that opened a, like a, a, a steakhouse with amazing steak. I, I think it's probably the best steak in Cuenca. Um, so yeah, there are steakhouses, Vietnamese restaurants, um, Japanese, Chinese restaurants from all over the world. And I mean, even if you just go to a locally owned Ecuadorian restaurant and you want a good burger or a good steak, you will even find it there. Sounds like you have lots of choices on restaurants. Yeah, I have a lot of, in Cuenca, there are multiple options of restaurants. Yes. But you like to cook at home. I do. Um, well, in the afternoons, there is something called almuerzo, which is lunch. It means lunch. So then there are these small little restaurants with just plastic chairs and someone cooking in their kitchen. <laughs> and they will serve you a lunch. It's usually a three-course lunch. So the, the, main, the starter will be a soup, like any kind of soup. And then the main meal would be... Um, Usually uh, rice with some meat and a salad, and then dessert will be fruit or something. And that will cost you $2.50 for that three-course meal. <laughs> <Nice. Yeah. laughs> so I go out for lunch every afternoon for that $2.50 lunch. I sure. mean, it's it's more than enough, and it's really good. Um, it's not top quality but i mean for two dollar fifty it it will do it will do sure. but yeah usually in the morning and in the evening i will cook at a home mm-hmm. if people want to visit ecuador and check this town out that may be thinking about moving there just want to see and have a two dollar fifty cents lunch what would you recommend for them uh to do to come check it out well, um, there's a very big Airbnb scene in Cuenca, so either check it out on Airbnb, um, or there are a lot of hotels and hostels as well. A very rich hostel scene here, very cool hostels, hotels. You will get your usual Sheraton Hotel or your Hilton Hotel, but I mean, in the city center, which is very colonial, it's it's old heritage site so there aren't any high-rise buildings or but there are some really beautiful old colonial uh, hotels where you can stay at in like in right in the middle of the city center which I think you would want to be because that is where everything happens and I mean it's everything is walking distance you don't have to take a taxi you do not have to take a bus everything you want to see and do is inside this city center the city old center. cathedral cathedral is there most of the restaurants are there um, the museum is there so everything you would like to see in Cuenca is in the city center walk around don't have to have a car that's one of the things people like about some of these places too is the ability to either use public transportation or just walk yeah. around 
Yeah, and that's the thing why people like Cuenca so much. It's because it's a it's a walkable city. You can walk anywhere you want to go. You can walk to the supermarket, to the market, to the restaurant. Everything is definitely within walking distance. And I mean, there are buses if you want to take a bus. And they just built Tranvia, which is a tram. They built it mm. recently. It's not open yet. There has been some controversy about it, <laughs> mm-hmm. but um, it's it's in working order. I think in about a week or two they will open the tram. So yeah, then you will be able to take the tram wherever you want to. There are so many taxis. So if you want to take a taxi to some place, I mean, just raise your hand and there will be a taxi. Just make sure to have the address in Spanish ready if you want to yeah. tell him where to go. <laughs> you have Uber and Lyft over there. We do not have Uber in Cuenca. There's Uber in Quito and in Guayaquil, but not in Cuenca. Ah, okay. So, yeah, that's um, really popular over here. Getting more and more popular, it seems like nationwide. But taxis are good the too. Thing I, yeah, the thing is, why Uber is not popular in Cuenca is it's really cheap to take a taxi. One dollar fifty is the minimum, and I mean, Cuenca is not that big, so you won't travel for more than two dollars. So it's very cheap, and there are so many taxis, and we have our own app we use for the taxis. So I think that's why Uber hasn't, you know, become popular in Cuenca yet, but it's very popular in Guayaquil, because in Guayaquil, taxis are expensive and not very trustworthy, so people prefer to take Uber in Guayaquil. But in Cuenca, taxis are great. Excellent. What do you do over there? So you left South Africa at 25, you've been to several places. Are there any is there anything you can't get or something you miss entertainment wise like concerts of your favorite bands or going to nightclubs or movies is there anything like that that you miss over there do you have access to things to uh, meet that criteria Well I would definitely say movies of course there is a movie theater here but all the movies are dubbed in Spanish and if you want to see the original movie in English um, with Spanish subtitles you need, there's only one and that's Thursday at like 10 o'clock at night (laughs) (laughs) so I definitely miss the movie theater watching the original, you know, the movie in the original language because dubbed is just horrible, I can't watch dubbed movies (laughs) (laughs) You can watch that on on your uh, television or on your computer Yeah Um, but that's not a big I'm not a big movie fan so for me that wasn't a big issue but I think for my culture the thing I miss the most is just going to someone's house having a barbecue in their backyard just you know just chilling at someone's house and having a party there where here it's more popular to meet at a bar or at a restaurant rather than to go to someone's house well, maybe you can start a new trend over there Maybe. Well, I mean, amongst the expats, we do invite each other over for dinner, or um, but not a lot of expats have a backyard with a barbecue. So um, doing finding that is very rare. So yeah, if someone has a barbecue with backyard, be sure we will be there every weekend. <laughs> <laughs> so if I wanted to get a so Weber gas grill and put it in my backyard, is that possible? I would say it is. Unfortunately, appliances are very expensive in Ecuador due to the high, you know, import taxes. Uh, it's just 
ridiculously expensive. So like buying a refrigerator, a stove, an oven, it's I think maybe double the price you will pay in the oh. US. So if you if you want to find a good Weber or a good barbecue grill, you you're going to pay a lot of money, I guess. Makes you know? sense. Though I guess you know they don't mm-hmm. build them over there. Have somebody's got to get them over there. I think so. Maybe that's a good a good idea. <laughs> buying and selling yeah. Webers. <laughs> Sure. Well, I have mine actually connected to my home gas. We use gas for the water heater and the oven. Okay. All right. We, we only use too. electricity for the lights and the refrigerator. Oh, and the microwave, of course, or anything else. But the mm-hmm. water heater and the stove and oven is all gas because gas is, again, it's subsidized by the government, so it's very, very cheap. You will pay $2.50 to refill your gas canister. Very nice. All right, well, have I missed anything that you can think of in this adventure that people would like to know about? The most important part of just moving to any other country, I think, is just to know that learning the language is very, very important and not getting frustrated when uh, you don't get the language that quickly or when you are out and about and you can't speak in your native language. Um, Because a lot of people have left because of that um they just couldn't cross that barrier that language barrier but like i said here they make it so easy for you because they're such a warm friendly nation that um learning the language it's not a not a frustration as it might be in other countries but try to maybe learn it bef- just the basics before you come and just be all as open minded as possible this is a sure. great country but of course it's it's much different than your own country. <laughs> yeah, obviously. And you, you, you've got the translators now, at least I'm sure it can help. You know, of you course, the pictures, translators. Mm-hmm. That's how I survived the first year in China was with pictures mm-hmm. and, and the apps. So, yes. Okay, good. Well, I've only got yeah. one more thing I want to talk about with you. Yeah. I want to dig a little deeper into the why behind you moving. So you, you got a law degree, which I assume at the time you were planning on using or being some type of a attorney or lawyer but then out mm-hmm. of the out of the blue somehow magically it decided that that's not what you wanted to do and you wanted to travel to other parts of the world uh tell me more about that decision while i was doing my internship i really didn't like the environment the work environment um of where i you know what the law work environment it was cold and yeah it wasn't it wasn't a it wasn't didn't fit my personality. I'm a warm, open person, and it just didn't fit my personality. And I decided that I wanted to start traveling and maybe even live abroad for some period of time. And doing that with a law degree is is really difficult because, you know, you are training the law of your country. So traveling to another country and, you know, learning their law all over again. And so it, it would have been a long process if I wanted to be a lawyer in a different country. So I thought what would be, you know, the next feasible option. And I, I used to teach at my university. So I thought, well, I like it. Maybe I should give that a try. And that's why I did the teaching English as a foreign language certificate. And that's why I decided to go to Asia, to China, and try it. And I really, really liked it. And that's the main reason why I decided to change from um, law to teaching is I just didn't like it. And also it would have limited my traveling 
options a lot. What do you like about traveling the most? Learning a new culture and learning a new language. Uh, just seeing how people do things differently than you are used to. Um, and I was very naive. I mean, I was 25. I didn't know any better. <laughs> and, but after that, after seeing the world and after seeing different cultures and different languages, I just realized how amazing it is. I mean, different cultures, different food. Um, I always thought that, you know, the food in my country is the best. The wine in my country mm-hmm. is the best. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, everything in my country is the best. But once you start traveling, you realize that there's so much more out there. And um, just sitting at a hostel, drinking a beer and meeting someone from Vietnam and then next to me meeting someone from Australia. I mean, here we're sitting, three different people from three different countries in a different country. It's, it's amazing. And um, I think that is what I, what I like the most, just meeting new people. And I'm, people who travel are much different than people from your own country. So they're more open-minded. And, and I guess that's the kind of person I am. And that's why I relate so much more with people who travel than people who have never traveled before. Understand. Great stuff. I really appreciate it. It's been very insightful. You've been a great guest, and I appreciate you being on the show. And I wish you luck in Ecuador. Thank you very much, and thank you for giving me this opportunity to share my experience.